0: So um, here's one of the most familiar um, passages or verses in the Bible. And um, it's something that I feel like everybody can pretty much agree on or get on board with. Um, Even if you're not a person of faith, or even if you're a person of a different faith, this was written in like the, I don't know, the seventh century BC. So this is like way before Jesus, way before the Bible. This is the prophet Micah. And he makes this statement that's just generally true. I mean, it's Hard to get around this, Here, here's what he wrote, you, you've heard this before, you, maybe you've heard this before and didn't know it was in the Bible. He writes, he, talking about God, he has shown you, oh mortal, um, that's a new translation, you know, it's more of a Gandalf thing. He has shown you, oh man, you know, think Gandalf, a little bit, I don't know, anyway. He has shown you, oh mortal, God has, what is good? The God has made it evident to most of humanity what is good and what the Lord or what God requires of you. In other words, God has made it evident good from bad and right from wrong. And God has made it evident what God wants from me and what God wants from you. Then he tells us, he says, here it is. Here's what God wants to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Justice, mercy, humility. These are things we like in other people. We all wanna be treated with justice and we all wanna be shown mercy to get what we don't deserve. When we get something we don't deserve, that's a good thing. Like, I don't really deserve that yet, but I'm gonna give it. We all wanna receive mercy and we love humble people. We don't like prideful people. We resist prideful people. We're attracted to humility. I mean, humility is the key to great relationship. We want our kids to marry men and women who understand justice and mercy and humility. I mean, this is just a human thing. It's hard to argue with any of that. In fact, we're attracted to all of that. But apparently, in recent times, another, you may not know about this, another manuscript has been discovered apparently and it contains some additional text and because it was recently discovered, of course, it doesn't show up in our Bibles. Um, and from what I understand, I haven't seen this, from what I understand, it reads like this and essentially it says the same thing Micah said, but there's additional text, so it reads like this. Um, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And then the new version says, except during political seasons. <laughs> and it goes on, this new text says, it says this, then, then under those circumstances, you can act and react like everybody else. Now I've not actually seen this, but apparently this exists because this seems to be fueling so much of what we experience, not only in our country, but all around the world. Now, it seems like in a political season, even those of us who are people of faith, especially Christians, but really any faith tradition or any tradition that values other people, it's like we've given ourselves permission or somebody has given us permission to pretty much put justice and mercy and humility on hold. And maybe we'll bring it back during Christmas. But in the meantime, we can just run to our different corners and kind of be our own selfish selves and listen, you know get in our echo chambers and just listen to what we want to. And we have permission to dislike and mistreat and unlike and hate. Other people, it's crazy. Now, having introduced it that way, um, a a political uh, season um, is especially difficult for churches like ours, and I've said this before, but we have 10 campuses or 10 churches scattered around the Atlanta area, then churches around the country. It's especially difficult for churches like ours because believe it or not, and this may be difficult based on who you see around you in your particular church, but believe it or not, we are very diverse ethnically, We are very diverse racially, we are definitely diverse politically, and we're even diverse theologically. That if you were to put all of us and all of our churches together in one room and everybody got to fill out a survey form, you would be shocked at the people that you attend church with or are part of the same um, church body with or consider yourself a home church with people who consider your church their home. Um, we don't all see things the same way. We don't even all believe the same way. And the reason is, the reason is because we weren't all raised the same way. We have it and don't experience life the same way. And the way that you experienced life growing up and the way you experience it now and the same for me impacts the way I see the world. It impacts how I view God, how I relate to other people. And it impacts my cultural peculiarities, the things I value and certainly even my Politics And the truth is, and we've talked about this before, but I don't think I can say this um, too much. And, and if you kind of resist and maybe bristle, in fact, maybe you haven't been back to church in a long time because of statements like this, but I, you just need to hear it, hear it again. The truth is political disagreement in particular, but we could, it's true, it's the same is true for cultural things and societal things, but political disagreement is usually fueled by, in fact, it's almost always fueled by divergent life experiences not low IQ. Because you think people who don't see the same, the world the same way, you do, You just don't think they're as smart as you. That is incorrect. Neither is it fueled by a lack of character, okay? When we, and this is important, when we automatically associate somebody's political views with associate that with low IQ or a lack of character, we are doing unto others what we don't want done to ourselves. We are sizing them up and writing them off. We're sizing them up. Even though I've never walked in your shoes, even though I didn't experience life the way you experienced, even though I didn't grow up the way you did, I am absolutely confident I understand you perfectly and I'm sizing you up and I'm writing you off. You're just not that smart. You just don't have that much character. When we do that, we expose our own Immaturity and our own short-sightedness and we expose to the world around us just how small we are and how small our world is. Mature people don't go there. Jesus followers definitely don't go there because Jesus didn't go there. And you should, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, you should be really glad Jesus didn't go there because Jesus had, just speaking for myself, I don't know your personal life, but knowing me, um, Jesus had every right in the world, reason in the world to size me up and write me off. I had no excuse, I'm a preacher's kid. Not only, when I, get this, when I sinned, I could quote the chapter and verse that addressed that particular sin, okay? I had absolutely no excuse. At least some of you could say, well, I didn't know better. I knew better and I did it anyway. So, God had every reason in the world, right in the world, to write me up, to size me up and write me off. And yet, Jesus didn't do that for me. He didn't do it for you. He's not going to do it for your children. He's not going to do it for the people you love. And He's not going to do it for the people that you don't particularly like. Jesus didn't go there. We are called, you know this, to love one another, even when we don't agree with one another. Justice, mercy, humility. These are baked into what it means to follow Jesus. And we say, talk about this all the time. If you want to know what Jesus' brand of justice looks like, acts like, and reacts like, if you want to know what Jesus' brand of mercy acts like and reacts like, if you want to know what Jesus' brand of humility looks like and sounds like, acts like, and reacts like, you just follow Jesus through the gospels. And here's something that's fascinating. And if if you're not a Christian or you walked away from Christianity a long time ago, this is so important because this may not have been your experience in the church. Think about it, Jesus disagreed with every single person he ever met about most things. Jesus disagreed with every single person he ever encountered about most things. If having a similar or a you know a, a worldview that lined up with Jesus was the you know if that's what his relationships were contingent upon, he would have had no relationships. If Jesus had run to his echo chamber where he only heard the things he wanted to hear, he would have been the only one in there. He didn't agree because he came to introduce a brand new worldview. He didn't come to tweak something. He came to introduce something brand new, which meant every single conversation he had, he had with people. Who didn't get it? Who didn't see the world the way he saw it? Who didn't understand what he wanted them to understand? And do you know how Jesus responded to those people? The same way he responded to you, he leaned in and he loved anyway. And he says to me, he says to you, follow me, follow me. I want you to do for others exactly what I have done for you. So apparently it's possible. As we say around here, we can actually disagree socially, culturally, and even politically, we can disagree politically and love one another unconditionally because Jesus did it and he's called us to follow him and his spirit lives inside of us. The question is, the question is, will we? And not we, will I? And will you? And the truth is, and this is why I'm talking about it today as we launch Be Rich. The truth is this tension that we live with, with multiple sites and multiple um, kinds of people from multiple backgrounds and relationships and the way they see the world, the way they've experienced the world, this tension created by our disagreement and by our divergent points of view is actually to our advantage. Because if we will let it, this is why what we're doing this in these next few weeks is so important. If we will allow it to, our differences will underscore our commitment to something that transcends politics, that transcends social issues, even the most important social issues, and transcends cultural diversity and the tension that we find in our culture. Because if we allow, if we use this tension the way we've been called to use it, it will underscore and highlight our commitment to our savior, Jesus, or to put it another way, and this is kind of long and clunky, but the more politically and culturally diverse we are, the harder it will be for us to love one another, and thus the brighter our light will shine. Because getting along with people who are just like you is not amazing. You don't get any credit for that. Sarah is amazing. She loves all of her friends. Ben is amazing. He gets along with everybody who sees the world the way he does. That's amazing. That's not amazing. That's just normal, right? That's expected. That's why Jesus made this famous statement. He said, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Nobody's impressed with that, just loving people who love you back. Nobody's like, oh my goodness, what a fine young man. What a fine young lady. Are not even the, and this is such a dig, aren't even the, don't even the tax collectors do that? In other words, think about the group of people you have the least amount of respect for. Do you know they get along with the people that they get along with? Do you know they love the people that love them back? I mean, they don't get credit for that. And then Jesus said, and he's kind of, you know, Kind of goadness a little bit. Hey, and if you only greet, or that is, if you only welcome, if you only interact with, if you only allow into your inner circle your own people, people that just look like you, act like you, believe like you, you know, behave like you, what are you doing more than others? In other words, the implication Jesus is saying, Look up here, look, you're my followers. I want you to do more than others. I want you to go beyond. I want you to amaze people, not with loving the people that love you. I want you to amaze people with the fact that you are willing to love and interact with people who are nothing like you, who might not even like you. I want you to be like me. I want you to be like my father in heaven. And you're not gonna get that many opportunities to do that. So when one comes along, don't mess it up. Now, then he says this, and this, this kind of throws us off if we take it out of context. He says, I want you to be perfect. Be perfect, not morally, not socially, not theologically. He's got something very specific in mind. I want you to be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect within the context of this discussion. And do you know how Jesus defines perfection in terms of his heavenly Father within the context of this discussion? He says, let me tell you what perfect is. When you get outside your comfort zone for the benefit of another person, when you set aside what you have coming to you in order to benefit somebody else, when you give sacrificially, when you love sacrificially, when you're willing to get uncomfortable for the benefit and the sake of somebody else, when you're willing to move in their direction when it costs you, he says, that's how you be perfect. Like my heavenly father is perfect. Because for God, my heavenly father, so loved a broken world that he had absolutely nothing in common with. He gave what was most precious to him. And if you're a Christian like me, and if you're a Jesus follower, tend to be a Jesus follower like me, you benefit from that gift every single day. Because every single day you're encouraged to love, forgive, to give, to go beyond, to treat others the way that God through Christ has treated you. Your life is better the way we say it. Following Jesus will make your life better. It will make you better at life. It'll make you a better husband, a better father, wife, mother, friend, employer, employee, student. It'll make everything about your life better. Not easier, just better. And so the call on our life to follow Jesus is to be perfect like our Father in heaven is perfect, which means we lean outside our comfort zone for the benefit of people who aren't necessarily like us. God moved in our direction. Think about that in spite of our differences. So worshiping with, as we've done, serving alongside of people who aren't like you, who don't share your view on a variety of things, That's amazing. That's the church. That turned the world upside down once. When we choose, when we choose to worship with and serve beside those unlike us, who normally may not even like us, what divides us diminishes and what unites us surfaces. So let me press in a little bit harder, okay? And I know this is tough, this is emotional, it's not what you came for, but it, it has everything to do with what we're about to do in the ne- these next few weeks. You may never understand. I mean, you may listen, 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 and read and read, but you may never understand how another Christian could, be, could possibly be for what you're against. You may never completely understand how another Christian could be against what you're for. And that makes this messy. And that makes this hard and that makes this difficult. And while some of you are like me, some of us are tempted to convince one another. I just wanna convince one another. If you'll give me a few minutes, I think I convince one another. Let's get together so I can convince you. Oh, you go ahead and try to convince me. I love it. try to convince me because I'm gonna convince you. Some of us feel like we're called to convince one another. Others of us feel like we're called to withdraw from one another. I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that conversation. I'm not comfortable with that topic. I'm just, I'm gonna withdraw from one another. We don't have the option as Jesus followers to decide we're just about convincing one another or withdrawing from one another because he covered that. I want you to love one another. I want you to engage with I want you to listen to, I want you to be patient with, I want you to serve alongside, I want you to carry one another's burdens, even if you don't line up in every single way with the one another whose burdens you are carrying. It's that kind of activity. It's that kind of love. It's that kind of Jesusness that serves as the bridge between our differences, the bridge between our disagreement over solutions. This is important. this is where the church gets divided so quickly and we're about to address it. Agreement over solutions, agreement over solutions in terms of society's problems, cultural problems, whatever it might be, agreement over solutions is not what binds the church together. Solutions to problems in our society, in our city, in our community, in our schools, solutions to problems will always be a source of contention and that is Okay because Jesus did not command us to agree with one another. This is the power of the gospel and the power of the church. This is what galvanizes people. This is what changes communities and changes schools and changes the world. He did not call us to agree with one another. He called us to love one another. So it is to our advantage, it is to our advantage that we are so diverse in so many ways. It's our advantage because this is our message. And this is why this year's Be Rich campaign is possibly more important than ever. Now, If you're new, let me explain what Be Rich is. Be Rich is the season of the year, we do this every year, where we come together as a group of individuals and a group or network of churches to do corporately what we've been doing individually, probably what you've been doing individually all year long, to give and to serve and to love in Jesus' name, our local communities and some communities in different parts of the world. It's our opportunity to remind the world that everybody, everybody matters to God, whether God matters To them or not, and the reason we call it "be rich" is because two thousand years ago, the apostle Paul, the ultimate church planner, the person that took the message of Jesus and contextualized it for a Gentile world, he wrote a letter to a young man that he was mentoring or developing, named Timothy. And in this letter, he makes he tells Timothy to do something very specific. And in this particular passage from this particular letter, we've lifted out the phrase "be rich." Here's what he said to Timothy. He said, "Timothy." Command those who are rich in this present world. Now, rich in this present world in the first century meant something very different than rich in this present world does to us. Rich in this present world in the first century meant people who had extra. If you had extra, you were considered rich. You had extra. And most of us, we've got some Some extra, he says, I want you to command those who are rich in this present world to do good, why? Because they have extra time and they have extra resources and they can do extra good. To be good and to, and then here's the imperative, and to be rich, I want them to be rich, but I want them to be rich in good deeds. And I want them to be rich with their generosity. And I want them to be rich in their willingness to share with others. So most of us are rich. In this present world, we have extra. So we should be generous and we should be more than average willing to share. And what we are about to do together is just that. Now, here's the cool thing, this is hard for me to believe. This is our 16th year to do Be Rich. And over the past 15 years, here's what you've done. we got two claps for that, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, thanks, yeah, 16 years. So over the past 15 years, this is amazing. This is mind blowing. Here's what you've done as a collective group of churches, um, specifically in the Atlanta area. You have served over 543,000 volunteer hours with the nonprofit organizations in our community. That's amazing. And you have raised and collected and we have given away over $71 million to local nonprofit organizations, about 85%. and about 20% to some Global X partners. Now, here's the thing we do, and I say this every year, but I want you to know this, from the very beginning, when we first started these churches, we decided we are not gonna pioneer a bunch of stuff, we're gonna partner. So we have found the best nonprofits in our communities, faith-based, and non-faith based. We do not distinguish. We wanna find the people who are the rock stars and knocking it out of the park in terms of their ability to impact the local communities. We have found those incredible organizations. We consider them our intersect partners. In Atlanta, we have 34 organizations that we um, work with. We call them our intersect um, partners. And these organizations do a variety of things in our local communities. Here's just a sampling. Um, Some of them deal, deal with hunger or what we call food insecurity, foster care, medical care we do job training we do things for students um book backpack drives book drives we deal with how they deal with housing education you name it wherever there's a need these are the fabulous organizations that somebody started to address those needs and we come along beside them and we essentially say hey how can we help in addition to these, uh, to, uh, all of these uh, local organizations, there are about a half a dozen or about ten international organizations that we partner with as well through Global X, which is a division of our local churches. Speaking of which, I just got to tell you a quick story, a Global X story, real quick. One of the things that we do for our international partners that's so helpful for them is we buy them vehicles. You're so generous; we're able to say, "Need a van? Need a truck? Hey, don't worry about it. So it's so expensive, especially to import/export in some countries. So we just buy them vehicles." So um, you have purchased a lot of vehicles for some extraordinary organizations. I wanna tell you about one real quick. We had a group that just came back um, from an organization we partner with. I'm not gonna tell you where it is. And this particular organization runs border stations where they rescue girls from trafficking that are being taken across um, this international border. And the border guards are pretty cooperative and this organization does a fabulous job. So we have sent volunteers to help them and to learn more about what they're doing. So a group just came back two weeks ago and a young woman on our staff was explaining to our staff or telling the story. And she talked about the vehicle that Be Rich purchased for this organization. They call it their getaway car. Here's what happens. They pull up in front of a brothel, they know who's in there, they go in, they they grab the girls, they put them in the getaway car and they drive away and they hide them or take them back across the border or reunite them with their family. So they um, took, she said, we can't share much about this, but here's a picture of a vehicle that you purchased through Be Rich. And here's the story that goes along with it. Before they had this vehicle, when they identified where the girls were, they had to go to a rental car company and rent a van. And by the time they were able to rent the van and show up, oftentimes the traffickers, they knew how this worked, they knew they were coming and the girls were gone. But not anymore, thanks to you. That's right. So here's how this worked. For the last six or eight months, our Intersect staff at all of our churches around the city have gone to our Intersect partners and they basically asked them this question. Hey, we're about to have our Be Rich season, our Be Rich campaign. What would make a big difference for you? And what would help you make a big difference? These are the two questions. What would make a big difference for you? Dream big, give us your wish list. We're not promising anything. We just wanna make sure we know what you need and what would make a big difference for you and what would help you make a big difference? And then... For the past few months we have vetted several million dollars worth of projects, about 85% stateside in our communities, about 20 to 15 to 20% globally. Now, for Be Rich, we do not set a financial goal. We do not have a dollar amount. For Be Rich, we have a participation goal. And our goal is 100% participation. We want every single person listening to my voice, whether it's on the day of or afterwards, to participate. We want all of you watching online, even if this is your first time to watch online, to participate. Anybody who considers any of our churches your church home, we want you to participate. So we're asking 100 of you to give, and then we're giving 100% of it away, 100%. No shipping, no handling, no administrative fees. The reason we're able to do that is those of you who give a percentage of your income to our churches and help pay for operating costs, we're able to handle all the administrative fees, even the staffing for Intersect and Be Rich to make sure that 100% of the money that's given actually goes to these fabulous organizations. Now, here's the thing. If I can be kind of personal for a minute, okay? Every year we do this, you give several million dollars. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, I brag about you all the time. When uh, this week I was on a podcast with the guy talking about the church and the church falling apart and losing influence. And I'm like, hey, let me tell you what we're we're about to do. I just brag on you all the time. So, you know, you look at the dollar amount and like $71 million, I love my church but here's the thing. And I did a little research coming in for today. I asked our administrator, I said, just in general, about what percentage of families in our churches participated in Be Rich last year? About 50%. That's not 100% participation. That's 50% participation. That's really good, but we could do a lot better. Imagine, come look up here. I know, and for those of you who's like, ah, oh, the church is asking for money. You're not listening. So just l- look up here. <laughs> Imagine what we could do. Imagine the footprint, the fingerprints of Jesus in our communities financially because money talks and needs are met and all over the world. If 100% of us participated at some level and be rich this year, because when everybody does a little bit, We're able to do big things. Imagine this, especially in this season in the life of our nation, Democrats and Republicans and independents coming together to do something powerful and good, in our nation, in our communities, in Jesus' name. Isn't that the way forward? Isn't that when we say, oh, isn't that when we grow? Isn't that when we realize the reason we have differences isn't low IQ and it's not a lack of character? I just didn't know that about you. I didn't know that about them. I had never heard his story. I'd never heard that story. I mean, isn't this the way forward? This isn't just about money. This isn't just about doing good in the community. This is about reflecting God's nature, being perfect on behalf of our Father in heaven because of his perfect gift to each one of us. And here's maybe the best news of all. I haven't even got to the best news. Okay, you ready? In spite of all the inflationary pressure in other sectors of the economy, Be Rich remains untouched we are still asking every single individual to give a one-time gift of $39.95. That's it, that's it, $39.95. And if everybody, and just in our Atlanta area churches, much less those of you who are watching online who consider yourself part of one of our churches or maybe you watched it every week and we're your church even though you're not in the city, if all of you will give $39.95 today, we will raise about two, just under $2.5 million today, which covers 48 really big projects. But we have vetted almost another $2.5 million worth of projects because every year you oversubscribe. And so many of you are like 35, 39, 95, you add a zero. Some of you add two zeros, some of you add three zeros. But you know what? It's not a money thing. It is a participation thing. I want 100% of us to participate. Get your kids to participate. Allow everybody to participate. This money is gonna go to, to work with, you know, to help the organizations do what they do well. And the thing that, that one of the reasons that, that, that uh, our Be Rich partners love us so much is we do the things that others donors don't wanna do. Things like this, we help cover operating costs. Nobody wants to give toward operating costs. Everybody wants to give to feed the children, to provide clothes for families, to provide, you know, operating costs. But we are a nonprofit, so we understand you gotta cover operating costs, program expenses, staffing costs. One of the best things that we're able to do is to go in and say, do you need to hire somebody? Gosh, we so need somebody in HR. We so need somebody to bring, we wanna bring accounting in-house, but we can't afford that staff person. We're able to say, you go look for them. We're gonna pay their salary for a year. They're like, oh, so we don't have to do a fundraiser. No, because nobody wants to give for their staffing. We are able to help with staffing. Capital expenses, expanding buildings, repairing buildings, upgrading air-conditioned HVAC systems, technology solutions. This is, as those of you in this world, it is so difficult to find IT people because they're so expensive and expensive and congratulations, you won the lottery. You chose the right you know, w- way to spend your professional career. But for nonprofits, this stuff is so expensive. So we're able to come along and help them with technology solutions, transportation, as we mentioned. These projects are game changers for our intersect partners and they're life changers. They're life changers for the people. They serve. Now, here's the thing. Here's why we're doing this as a church. Jesus was so clear about this. If the church had not lost sight of this, we would be so, we would be a healthier country, a better culture. The world would be a better place, but it was so easy to lose sight of. Jesus was so clear. Devotion to God, devotion to God isn't best demonstrated in my internal intangible prayer life and church attendance. Jesus was so clear. Devotion to God is best demonstrated and authenticated through love for other people. Aren't you glad glad if you're a Christian that God just didn't stop with feeling, loving feelings about you? That would have done nothing for your sin or your life. For God so loved the world, He did something. He gave someone. That love for God is best demonstrated and authenticated by our love for other people. That extravagant generosity, extravagant generosity is the, is the appropriate response to God's extravagant generosity to me and to you and to the world. No strings attached generosity. This was so new in the Roman empire. No strings attached generosity rocked the Roman empire. It is what ultimately got the attention of the Roman empire. When the church began to to send out and to multiply these people who just, they were just good for nothing. They were good expecting nothing in return. And I hope our generosity in Jesus name has the same impact in our communities. And according, to Rosalyn, Rosalyn Merrick, Habitat for Humanity. Your generosity these past couple of years has made a huge difference in one of our Atlanta communities. Take a look at this.
1: Habitat for Humanity has been around for nearly 40 years, and you guys have been a big part of our journey for over a decade. Um, Helping build the infrastructure, in some cases helping build the systems that help us do our work better from a technology standpoint. And that support and that conversation allowed us to make a very special ask, which is, you understand how special our families are who are already in homes. Can you help us to place more families in homes by sponsoring bills? my team member John and I uh, were on a call we thought simply just to touch base and hear how things were going with the Be Rich campaign and as Brian started out he said well you know what we love what you do for families as you place them in homes and help them achieve that dream and for the first time ever we're going to say yes to helping you do that and we're going to sponsor a home and I almost couldn't speak because of how overcome we were with gratitude a partner to believe in us in the way that you do to have faith in the work that we're doing and the lives that we're changing and to say yes is incredibly meaningful
0: but hey we wanted to let you know that we uh, if it's all right with you would like to do another build oh my gosh <laughs> we would love uh, we would love to do all three with you.
1: Wait a minute, what? Brian, wait, what? <laughs> three. All three. All three. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, amazing.
0: To do three is just like mind-blowing. I don't even know if I can wrap my heart around it.
1: It means a lot. Uh, to have partners like you all who... Um, thoughtfully asked, what is on the wish list? And how might we fill that wish and actually come through and do that side by side with us? It's just, um, it's really wonderful. <laughs> so thank you for that.
0: Together with God and with you all and all of your generous givers, and then to get people's feet on the ground, out on our builds, just gonna be so special. It's It's just beautiful.
1: Support from Be Rich matters so much to Atlanta Habitat because we cannot do this work alone. It takes all of us working together, bringing whatever we have, whether it's our financial resources, our sweat equity, so our muscle and our time, our ideas. You all are leading in a significant way that is going to help someone else say yes to leading in a similar way. It has to start somewhere and with someone. And with Be Rich, you've started something really amazing. When you see these homes, I hope you see more than just the beautiful structures in front of you. I hope you see places where our families will make new memories together, where they will dream big together about the next endeavor they aspire to achieve. I hope you see the promise of a brighter future. Thank you. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for dreaming big with us and. Believing that the vision that we have is achievable. It means everything.
0: So that's just one thing that you did, that we did together. So once again, come on. Let's show our communities that our faith is more than just sermons and songs. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus in such a way that regardless of where we stand politically, culturally, regardless of our background, that there is something that brings us together that has the power to change practically every single day, to change lives because God through Christ changed our lives. And in the process, who knows what God will do in each one of us. We've made it easier than ever. If you're watching online, I want you to keep watching. Here's what I want you to do if you're watching online. I want you to go, you can give by going to BeRich.org. That's org. And if, you've, if you're not watching on your phone, you can go ahead and get your phone out and I'll make it even easier than that. For those of you who are in the room with me, as you leave the auditorium today, you're gonna see some green balloons. If you wanna give by cash or check, go to the green balloons. If you wanna give with credit or debit card, go to the red balloons. Um, Also, right after the service at all of our campuses, we're gonna put a big QR code up on the screen so you can give from the comfort of your very seats. In fact, do not leave until you put, you've been playing with your phone through the sermons, half of you anyway, so you've already got it out. So we're gonna put the QR code up on the side screen, some nervous laughter there. Side screens, you can give immediately through that. Or again, if you're watching online, you can actually use your phone and use this very same QR code. So here's the deal. As God has demonstrated his love to us, Let's demonstrate our love to the world and our communities. Let's be rich. So on your mark, this is the the dismissal. On your mark, get set, let's go be rich. We'll see you next Sunday.